0: Hey guys and welcome to Q&A session 40 of For the Kudos. I'm your host Joel and I'm joined with physiotherapist Carol Wilenboer. How are you doing Carol? Morning Joel. Hi, I'm well. You would uh the listeners would pick up the South African accent there. I definitely butchered your name.
1: <laughs> how do you, how do you say it? That's okay. Well the the proper pronunciation is Carol Wildenboer oh. but you know, here yeah, in Australia I've Grown accustomed to anything that sounds vaguely familiar, I respond to. So all good.
0: Um, so I have been working with you for about six months now. Um, the first time the listeners would have heard me uh, mention that sort of the practices I was doing with you was about six, probably, yeah four or five months ago when I was doing um, a certain set of interesting activations before my runs. And I explained to the listeners a little bit about that. And then I thought, well, what better way? Than to actually have someone on who can talk exactly what it's about, rather than me trying to, um, you know, go through and trying trying to work it out. Where I, I I've learned from you for sure, but I don't know the entire story, and I find it super interesting. Um, your practice of physio is. Definitely something I would say is alternative, like I've seen a lot of physios in, in my life as an athlete, um, but yeah, your, the way you sort of treat and, and go about things is is quite alternative, but it's definitely had a
1: massive positive
0: effect on me. Um, so I thought, yeah, let's bring you in and, and hear a little bit about
1: it. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, happy to share with the listeners a little bit more about what it is that I do in my world and the value that it has for... Runners and 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 others. Mm. So,
0: could you explain? Imagine I had walked into your clinic for the first time, um, and I, I'm in in your room, ready to get treated, and you're speaking to me about you know your practice. How, for the listeners that just don't
1: know, how would you describe it? So, in short, I'm a physiotherapist, but I use a, a specialized approach, and. Um, Essentially, what it comes down to is I'm a movement expert. So I analyze how people move and how the way that we move causes a specific type of overload in the body. Now, most people, including elite level athletes, move their bodies by using their, their muscles typically incorrectly and often in an incorrect sequence. And depending on how you do that, it will cause predictable and specific overload in your body. So... Some guys will be moving their body by persistently overloading their upper body. And they will be the guys that struggle with tension in the shoulders, in the neck, in the jaw, headaches potentially. Other guys, again, will have movement patterns that persistently overload their lower legs. And they will be the athletes that comes in with the calf injuries, with the Achilles tendinopathies, with the foot injuries. So what we do at the clinic is we get an athlete to understand their movement pattern, I think there's, there's massive value for, for anyone but also for athletes to understand why it is that your body keeps breaking down in a certain way mm. and, and why that's different from someone else.
0: Because it is interesting, um, you know, we spoke in one of our first sessions together how uh, I could be training with another athlete. We do the exact same training week in, week out, the same session with the same speed, same ability. We both get broke, broken down, different injuries. Like yeah. why does that happen? It's not just technique, you know. It's as you mentioned, how how the, how the how the body moves, right?
1: So it's a it's a question that I've sort of struggled with for a long time, and it was part of what got me onto this path of looking for for different answers. Was exactly that certain athletes would always present with the same type of problems, and um, often we as therapists and trainers assist them with their problem, assist them with the injury. We help them manage it, but they still come back with the same type of injury somewhere later along the line, mm. which makes one wonder if we're addressing the cause of the problem enough. And I guess that's where part of my journey started with this work. So important part of the work is getting an athlete to understand their pattern. And then once you understand it, then you can start taking control of it. Mm. And then we take you through a process of learning to move differently and teach you Simple techniques to maintain it in order for you to be able to maintain a better movement pattern more often when you're training in order to improve your training and to decrease the overload in your body and with that decrease the injury. So there's two sides to the work. The one side is performance and the other side is limiting persistent injuries.
0: Mm, I think definitely for me um, one thing that's the, the biggest uh, hindrance to my um, professional running career has been injuries, right? It's like whenever I'm training, I've never got to some athletes uh, go through training periods of months and months and months and they don't really improve. I'm always improving and eventually I get injured. That's how it happens with me. So when I came to see you, I had this that the, list, the listeners would be sick of hearing about. But the uh, persistent knee injury I had um, most of most of last year and it was sort of related to my, uh, I had a lower back pain. I'd pulled out of my first ever half marathon. Um, I ended up, yeah, having having this knee pain that just would not go away. I ended up calling quits on the end of my season and that was around the same time that I, you know, I was seeing a, a sports psychologist and then it was the same time I came to see you for the first time. And, yeah, you're right, like I had... Uh, you know, other people treating it in certain ways, where it's like, "Oh, your lower back's tight." Okay, I'm going to treat your lower back, or you know, the knees sore. I'm going to treat around the knee. Um, and it wasn't. I, I would say it wasn't until partnering up your um, your practice and what you did to my body that, with some strength to get stronger in the gym, um, I think that I never felt the knee again, really. So. Yeah, when you could you describe to the listeners for for me when I came to you with my lower back and knee problem, how how did you find out? Like, how did you fix
1: me? Well, I think the first part of the answer is I didn't fix you, and <laughs> you, you you more fixed yourself. But but what we do what we do at the clinic is getting you to understand what it is your body is doing, and helping to take away some limitations in your body that is limiting you from moving correctly. And when we can. Remove those limitations, then the body actually has the incredible ability of correcting itself. Mm. But to explain it a bit more detail, when we so when we assessed you for the first time, as you mentioned, you came in with this persistent knee pain and with this tightness and locking up of your lower back, particularly when you were training hard mm. on the hard training sessions. It was hard to
0: describe because it wasn't necessarily like a yeah. pain. That's yeah. It was.
1: So when we assessed you, you you had a, a compensation movement pattern that we call a two two three pattern. Now I don't want to confuse the listeners with numbers and but what it comes down to is when we assess someone's movement, we look at how do they produce movement around the hip and how do they initiate movement around the hip. Now when we're moving correctly, we should be moving the hip forward by using the correct hip flexors, a muscle by the name of your psoas. And when we move the hip backwards, it should be done with your glutes. So when we assessed you, we found that you weren't able to use the hip flexor and the glutes effectively. But instead, your brain has found a good compensation pattern for you that Mm -hmm. we call a zone two pattern. So a zone two pattern means instead of using your hip flexor to move the hip forward, you use your abdominal muscles and you use your thigh muscles. And when they work together in a chain almost, they flex your hip for you. Mm. And at the back, something similar was happening that your lower back muscles and your hamstrings have teamed up to take over the glutesis function and extend your hip for you. Now, when we move like that, it causes persistent compression through the lower back area. It means your abdominal muscles and your lower back muscles have to be locked up the whole time in order to drive movement on your hip. And that was underlying to what was causing that pressure on your back. And that became worse when you were trying to push harder Mm. and then you were delving deeper into using that compensation pattern. And that's where the symptoms came out. Now, traditionally, you know, if if we would look at therapy, we would be looking at loosening up the tight back of yours. Yeah. And depending on the therapist or the trainer you see we would use different modalities for that. We might be massaging it, we might be sticking needles into it, you might be stretching it or giving strengthening exercises to affect it. However, if that's your movement pattern, it's what your body's using at the moment to run. Mm. And it can't let go. It needs that back to be tight in order to drive your hips strongly. So what we needed to do with you is to give your body an alternative, is to correct the movement around your hip by getting you to use your hip flex and your glutes more effectively. And then the tension in those structures instantly changes. However, you mentioned earlier the strengthening work that you do, there's obviously huge value in doing strengthening work and rehab and training as, as such for athletes. The problem is when, we, when we're doing those exercises, when we're doing those training sessions by using our compensation pattern, yeah. we end up sh- strengthening our compensation. It doesn't yeah, change yeah. the pattern. We get stronger and sometimes it resolves the problem for a while because this muscle that's getting overloaded is now stronger and can take a bit more of a beating. Yeah, it's like
0: I can compensate harder now. It's exactly, <laughs> yeah.
1: But we're not actually fixing the problem, which is why it comes back at some stage. The other interesting thing about compensation patterns is that they they always break. So it's our brain has got the amazing ability of finding a way for us to cope. Yeah. So if we can't move correctly, your brain finds another way. However, those compensations always comes with overload. Now one can produce results with compensations, mm. but they always break. We're using structures that are not designed to perform a certain function and eventually that overload will end in injury. So really what we did with you is to identify the cause of the problem and help you to correct that. And when we were able to do that, then the hours you're putting into training, the hours you're putting into strengthening exercises, produces a lot more results. Mm. And the same with your knee, that pattern similarly causes particular overload on the knee. And, and clients that have that type of pattern will, will suffer with your runner's knee, your ITB type of knee injuries, your patella tendon injuries, your um, chondromyalgia patellas. Mm. And by changing that pattern, even though we haven't really done anything on the knee itself, it instantly takes the load off the knee when he starts moving more correctly around your hip.
0: Yeah, one thing I found interesting was when I I tre- you, you treated me one of the first times and I I think I'd messaged you and said, "Should I go for a run beforehand, um or should I run because sometimes you know if you go and get treated, for example, if I have sore hips and I'm going to get um needled or something like that and get torn apart, I can't run after. So I need to rest." And you said, "No, it would actually be better for me to treat you, do these things and then you go for a run." And one of the things you said when I got up off the bed, you said, just walk around. How do you feel? And it was hard for me to put into words how I felt. I just felt slightly different um, and I felt good. I felt strong and I felt good. And you said, now go for your run. And I said, oh, what should I be looking for? And you said, don't overthink it. Just send me a message with how you feel Either, you know, do you feel good? Does it feel good running or does it not, you know, or does something feel a little off or something like that? And I went out for my run and I just felt good. Everything flowed well and everything was sort of working working um, much better. And again, that's the same sort of thing I've said to you only, you know, two weeks ago when I saw you last. I said, um, oh, is it bad if I have to go to the gym after this because it was a Wednesday and I do heavy sort of lifting in the gym on a Wednesday and I said to you, is, that, is this going to undo the treatment? And you said, no, Joel, the whole point of me is getting your body to move correctly. So now all you're going to do is perform better in the gym or you're going to be strengthening the muscles that we need you to strengthen rather than the compensation pattern. Yeah, is that
1: that's, right? yeah. that, that's exactly um, what it is, is that we we want to use the activation techniques to restore normal movement, yeah, and to remind your brain of using the right muscles at the right time, and if we do that, and then have you train afterwards, that's ideal because then we're getting you moving by using your muscles correctly. We're getting more value out of your training session, and um, that's really the aim. So I often work on 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 athletes and, and ask them how they feel afterwards, and something that they commonly will say is, "I feel like I want to run. I feel like I want to. I want to. Yeah." Wanna, go
0: and do my sport now. One thing I wanted to know, obviously I know about my compensation pattern, but this is a, as a uh, podcast obviously for runners. Can you tell me what's like a compensation pattern for runners that you see the most? Is there one or?
1: It's a question I often get asked is about which compensations are, are more common than others. Um, the answer to the question is, I don't think that there's specific compensation patterns that are necessarily more common with runners than with others. Um, but there are definitely certain patterns that can cause more problems Mm. with running. So one of the patterns that we often see is something called a three, three, three leg pattern. And in short, what that means is those athletes initiate the hip movement by tensing the lower leg muscles. Mm. So every time they move the hip forward, their shin muscles have to contract first. And those muscles, form a connection with the thigh and with abdominal muscles and they end up using this long lever together to flex the hip but that contraction starts on the lower leg and the same thing happens at the back it means the calf muscle ends up driving hip extension it contracts first when you want to take your hip backwards now that pattern will cause massive overload in the in the lower leg, and those athletes will be the guys that typically have their re- recurrent calf strains, the chronic the calf strains, foot injuries and things like foot that. injuries, um, ankle injuries, your tendinopathies in the ankle, your Achilles tendon problems. Um, also, another common common injury with those patterns are stress overload. So, with elite level athletes, stress fractures are very commonly associated with the three 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 leg pattern, and the reason is. With that pattern, the lower leg has to be rigid all the time. Every step you take, those lower leg muscles have to contract, meaning your shock absorption through that leg gets a lot less. And they then become a lot more susceptible for your stress overload injuries and stress fractures. Mm, that's, interesting. that's probably uh, the pattern that causes more havoc with runners than others. Um, but each pattern has its own overload and can cause problems as we've seen with you in different areas. So other guys will, will struggle with the hips and the lower back depending on the patterns that they drive. And even, even your upper body patterns which is maybe less obvious in running but those patterns cause a lot of compression through the lower back and they're often underlying to your runners that struggle with lower back pain, Yeah. particularly disc type of issues.
0: Yeah. Um, something, something I wanted to know is how did you get into this? practice like you know obviously you would have started as a physiotherapist when you were young can you just tell us a little bit about that like what Matt you know we've talked about a little like what you do but yeah how, how does one decide this is what they want to do
1: yeah I guess I started as a as a young dynamic physiotherapist and I always had a big interest in sports so how old were you when you first started, Like, graduated uh, physiotherapy I must have been about 24 yeah 24, 25. And I started in sport doing a lot of work with individual athletes, doing a lot of work, particularly with road runners. I come from Durban in South Africa, which is a big road, has a big road running community with the The Comrades Marathon being a a very big event in Durban and probably... For for those that don't know, uh, the Comrades Marathon is the marathon
0: that... Well, it's not a marathon. It's how uh, 80 kilometers, 90 kilometers?
1: 91,
0: yeah. 91 and we um, put a video up of one of the things that we've seen on Instagram this week that we're not too sure about and we put it up uh, where they have the cutoff as 12 hours or something like that and then it's security guards step out in front of the line. Um, you actually were—you uh, had done physiotherapy work like on one of the checkpoints.
1: Yeah, I used to. I used you to be very involved with the comrades marathon and running one of the medical stations next to the road. So we used to have um, a medical station at about sixty kilometers, which is <laughs> It makes me laugh. Right, right where a lot of a lot of people starts their body starts packing up, and um, yeah, just doing whatever we could do at that point to keep them on the road. <laughs> you have. The Comrades is a funny race where, where athletes, you have a lot of social athletes running it yeah. as a challenge, people that are not meant to run 91 <laughs> kilometers, but but still do. And um, they often run from from physio station to physio station, getting a bit of ice, a bit of massage, and a bit of strapping, and just surviving until the next. So Until the next one. <laughs> we, Crazy. We, we had about 30 physio students there at a time, and treated between 1,500 and 2,000 athletes normally on a, on a race day and just for a few hours looking down, staring at knees, literally strapping one knee after the other without even looking up at people's faces, depending on which way they're running, there's yeah. always particular injuries with the up up run or the down run. So and unfortunately, you've got no time to talk about movement patterns with them, do you? No. It's just like no, strap, strap, yeah, go. <laughs> that, that, that's more just seeing if we can get them, it's just about getting them through. We'll have to fix that problem later. But um Yeah, I guess so. it started with that, seeing a lot of runners come into the practice and seeing the repetitive injuries. And as we mentioned earlier, seeing repetitive injuries and the same injuries with one client and different injuries with someone else, even though they're doing seemingly similar training. And I always felt we were adding a lot of value to these clients. We were helping them manage their problems, but maybe we were missing something and and, and we were not really addressing or, or finding enough solutions for these athletes, not resolving enough of these problems. And um, at that stage, I was told about an interesting course called Muscle Activation, which was presented by a guy by the name of Douglas Heal, who's the founder of this approach. He's a South African physiotherapist. And I decided to jump onto the course, and I actually didn't know what it was about. I've done all the, the normal courses that came our way, and I was quite bored, actually, with all the standard work, and I thought it would be something different. And I ended up on the course day not knowing what it was about. And here was Douglas Hill. And as pioneering people in the world often are, he's quite an extreme character. And um, I initially didn't like him at all. He, he was very annoying. He wouldn't answer my questions. And I, I was there with my scientific physiotherapy brain and a lot of the stuff that he showed me just didn't make sense to me you know he would, he would do simple interventions with a with 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 a athlete and suddenly you would see an instant change with him and it all just really looked too good to be true for me and um some through the first day he pulled me up as an example and he did some work on me and he got me up like i would have done with you in my rooms he got me up walking or asked me what do i feel and i can't actually remember what i said i felt and then he asked the class, sort of, okay, well, and they were, it was a group of physios and, and all different medical and fitness professionals, what do you see? And, you know, people were saying clever things about how I walked and yeah. this and that, throwing big terms around. And then someone <laughs> said, he's taller. And I still thought that was odd. I, and I'm a tall guy. I, yeah. I'm, I'm nine six, and it was odd for me that someone would say, I'm taller. And then Douglas Hill jumped on board and said, yeah, can you see it? He's taller. He's literally grown in front of our eyes. And... Then I really started wondering about this course that I was on and and, and I wasn't sure if, if any of this yeah. made any sense. Is this black magic or? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I went home and I wasn't actually very excited about going back for the next day of the course. And the morning before I got up, I did decide to go back because I paid for it. And I I ran into my two-year-old daughter's room, trying to, to quickly to say goodbye to her before I left. And as I ran into the room, I hit something with my head. And I don't know what happened for a second. I fell on the floor in our passage until I realized I ran into the doorframe. And I struck the doorframe right on my forehead, having this bright red line over the top of my forehead for the whole of that day. And the result was I ran into this room for the previous two years, probably 10 times a day, and I've never knocked my head. And that day I knocked my head. And that really got my attention, if nothing else, that Mm. something in my body has changed. Um, and, of course, for the whole next day, Douglas Yule made a point of everything. The answer to each question, of course, for the rest of the day was, and that is why Carl has that big red line across his forehead. <laughs> and he, he still tells the story to the day where he says, I got the sense knocked into me that day. <laughs> but it definitely made an impression on me that things in my body could change so rapidly with strange and, 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 and little intervention, actually. Yeah. And we find if you do the right stuff to the body, if we take away the limitations that doesn't allow your body to move correctly, that your brain can actually adjust instantly. And the changes doesn't always have to take months. It doesn't always have to, oh, it takes months to recover from these injuries. There is a recovery period, but if we can get your body to move more efficiently, that can change rapidly. Mm. And that's really what we do with this work is we, we find physical limitations in the body that limits your nervous system, that limits your brain in using your muscles correctly. And when those limitations are there, you can't move correctly, and your brain has to find another way of doing it. And that's how these compensations start. In your case, your brain has gone to what we call zone two to move your hip. But if we can identify those areas and remove the areas, remove the tension, then your brain adjusts. It knows it's a better It's better to use your glutes to drive your hip movement. So as soon as we give it the ability to do that, it changes. And then we teach our athletes how to maintain that by Doing certain releases on their own body as part of their warm up before they train before they race in order to remind your brain and your nervous system of how to move your muscles correctly.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely the the activate the activations that we we're talking about. I'll put um, some links in the show notes of you you know describing some of the, the activations, what you do, so that uh, some of you know athletes listening would maybe you know able to try them um, yeah. but yeah I found it super interesting so would you say when when you back then and you know you said that the you would became taller it's not a it's not a magic thing where you grew right is it is it something where like certain muscles somewhere in the well, I don't know well, would, in- would
1: loosen and then and as a result your posture slightly changed or? so interestingly initially I thought look maybe I was just standing a little bit more upright but the reality is when we're moving correctly, we fire a movement pattern that we refer to as a one, two, three pattern. Now, you've been, I've showed you a little bit about what that's about in your body, but what it means is. That's the is, goal. That's one, the goal. One, two, three. Yeah. 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 And I can maybe I'll post a picture for you that you can, yeah, that you can, can share with it. the listeners that will make a bit more sense. Yeah. But it essentially means when we move, movement has to start in the middle of the body, around our pelvis is where we should move first. Then we move a little bit wider in the body, and then only we move in the extremities of the body. And when we move like that, it allows for the body to actually physically lengthen. It decompresses the body. So energy or kinetic energy moves from the center of the body outwards when we move like that, allowing for us to open up, allowing for us to get into a good body position or a good posture, if you like. But it physically allows for the body to lengthen and get into a position from where it can perform optimally. So there is a change. There's a physical change when you get someone moving correctly where you can often see that their length can actually differ. When we're moving incorrectly, we typically move by initiating movement somewhere away from the center of the body. Mm. In your case, you're starting it sort of in the middle of your body. But in other cases, people start their movement in the extremities. When you move like that, it has the opposite effect. The body actually starts collapsing upon itself, and there's a lot of compression through the body, and all of that combined actually... Mm. Compresses our yeah. our whole system, yeah, and and that leads to overload. But it also has an effect on pressure.
0: On pressure. Well, that's definitely. It's funny you say that because that's the the best description for my back pain. Is it wasn't so much pain; it was pressure. That's what it felt like. It felt, and I would I would finish reps, and I would try and bend over and try to release the pressure. And it was yeah, simply my body was just not not firing properly and not moving in correctly and as a result, yeah, it felt like there was a lot of sort of pressure because it wasn't so much pain. Yeah. Um, but then once that sort of changed um, and it was interesting as you, as you mentioned that once the body, obviously there has to be some time for recovery uh, if you've had an injury yeah. or something. But for me, it was definitely one of those things that once the inflammation left my knee, it never returned. Yeah. So it was a thing where... I, I could not get I, this this knee injury was so persistent and I would try everything and I I think did I, I did I get cortisone I did I got cortisone into the bursa or wherever it was and then it came back again and it wasn't it was just something was just not working and then once it did once I changed my movement pattern once I was then with the new movement pattern going to the gym and strengthening um, then yeah it never it never returned and.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, it's not that these techniques are magically healing you. And if there's an injury, the injury still is still there. If you've got a muscle tear, the tear is still there. Yeah. But let's take maybe the example if someone uses a, a movement pattern where they're driving movement from their calf, which overloads that calf, and eventually they end up with a tear in the calf. When they come into our rooms, they're still firing that same pattern. Now they're walking by initiating and driving their movement from that injured calf which Mm. doesn't allow for that calf to heal any faster. (laughs) Of course. So the first thing I would do with someone, even when they walk into my rooms with a rather acute injury, is that we have to start changing their pattern. Because what we're then doing is we're instantly taking the load off that injured calf, and then it can heal quicker. And Mm. there's still a period required for heating and there may still be some local work that needs to be done on that injury to help it to heal faster. but if we don't change the pattern, then we haven't actually taken the cause away from the start, which will slow down the healing process. Plus, we're sending that athlete back onto the road with the same pattern, which would pretty much set them up to tearing the calf again somewhere in the future. Yeah. Okay. And that's what we're trying to, to be more effective in addressing so that we're we, we understanding the cause and addressing that and the athlete understands it, and then we can, we can have more long-term results.
0: One, uh, I think we've covered, you know, the physical body and how your work, you know, has a positive impact on, on the physical body. Um, one thing, as I mentioned before, again, I've seen so many physios uh, in in my life as a runner. One thing that stood out for your practice um, to, to, me, to me was the relationship between the mind and the... The physical body, it's not just coming in you know, some of the, the least favourite, my least favourite physio uh, physio work that I've ever, you know, ever had is when you walk into a clinic, it's sort of it's a it's a bright lit room you feel like you go into a doctor's office, they just check they do this, they go, yep, yeah. they put a needle in you they go, yeah, go home, do this exercise it's like it very rarely works to me and um I mentioned when I f- at the same similar time as me starting with you I was beginning to see a sports psychologist as well going through like a lot of my stress and, and and things like that and trying to overcome that and your work with these activations you know a lot of them are breathing focused um and and I I found uh, what, what you tried to do was it was relax my my body but from my mind as well, not just the physical body. Like it's not just relax the muscles. It's also like how I'm, when I'm coming in, how am I breathing? You know, some a, a couple of times there when I, in, in the early days when I was seeing you when the injury, we were just trying to come over and I was, I was, uh, there was some races I had on and, you know, I was busy and I'd, I would come flying into the office and you just be like oh, Joel's stressed, right? Um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about how, how you see the relationship between, you know... Um, Mindset and the mind and and the physical body.
1: Yeah, I think that's you know one of the things I think we we do wrong in modern healthcare and and in, in training as such is that we we compartmentalise things and you know the the sports psych talks to you about your mental state and your coach works with you with your running technique and your physio looks at your at your
0: body yeah. your body physical and your movement. Body,
1: yeah, yeah. And the reality is that the body just doesn't work like that. Mm. Everything really works together in the body, and if we if our nervous system gets into a heightened state, then what your what your body typically does is it goes, it reverts to its default. So if your default is using these compensation patterns, which people have normally been using for many years and most of their life, as soon as our nervous system gets overloaded, we revert to those compensation patterns. And the effect is the body starts tightening up in certain areas, which is why clients will will say, you know, I carry my stress in my shoulders. But the reality is those clients who carry their stress in their shoulders normally have a movement pattern and that causes tension in the upper body. So they, as soon as they get stressed, their nervous system gets overloaded. It has an immediate impact on their physicality.
0: Mm.
1: And if they're athletes, we mean now they tensed up and they're running with their body feeling like that, which will affect their performance and it will definitely affect the overload and structures and eventually often end up in injury. we, have a, we like to say that what's in the mind is in the body and what's in the body is in the mind. And as a therapist, you will be a lot more successful with your, with your clients if we consider both these aspects. And if you're coming into my room and everything is going at 100 miles an hour in your head, then the same happens in your body. Your body will be locked in a defensive state when we feel like that. Everything will tense up. And if you run like that, your chances of breaking is much greater than if we can get you to run in a relaxed state. So a big part of the work is unlocking the physical restrictions on the body. And when we do that, it has an immediate effect on your nervous system and it allows for the nervous system to instantly shift to a more relaxed state.
0: Mm.
1: Now we use breathing to do that. As you know, a big part of this work is initially getting someone to breathe correctly. But before teaching them to breathe correctly, we need to unlock some physical restrictions they may have around their ribs, which limits them in using the diaphragm effectively. So by working that's on the body the most, physically...
0: That's the most painful, by the way. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> getting all, you know, and, unlocked all and, around the ribs diaphragm. Yeah, and diaphragm. And the tighter those structures are, the more it hurts, unfortunately. And mm. But unfortunately also that that's the areas we have to work more because it's so restricted there. But then by manipulating the body physically like that, we can then... Get your nervous system to get into a more relaxed state. And that's really where you want to be when you want to be performing. Firstly, then your body moves more efficiently. And and what you mentioned earlier, that's when running becomes easy. That's mm. when running just happens. You don't have to think about it. Those days when you when you're out on the road or running a race where it just feels easy. Yeah. That's that's the performance state you want to get to. Now getting into that state is is very much linked to having your nervous system in a nice relaxed state. So with this work, we use the, your physiology and unlocking your physiology to help you lower your mental state. But we also talk a lot about keeping yourself in a relaxed mental state in order to keep your body in a state yeah, where you can perform. It's
0: works both and the two
1: right, go together right. all the time. Um, I often use the example when I teach um, healthcare professionals and, and um, coaches and exercise specialists. If you think of a, if you would think of someone standing outside the door of this office now, that is depressed. What would they look like? Mm. And if we all think about that, we all know what someone would look like that's very depressed standing outside the door. They would be collapsed in the way that they're standing in what we call a defensive body position where their body is closed down. Now, I'm just using that as an example to explain to you how what we feel correlates in what we see in the body. So if you're feeling depressed, we adopt certain certain defensive body positions. If we stuck in certain body positions, similarly it has an effect on our nervous system it makes us feel a certain way mm. if you think of someone that's confident or even a, a sportsman that it's the top of their game what do they look like they don't look collapsed no. they don't look all folded forward they strong open they have open body postures because when we when we in when we're performing at our best then we in a certain body position so manipulating one's body position has a massive effect on the mind but similarly, if we can affect what's going on in our mental state, then suddenly it changes our ability to perform physically. So the two go together, which is why we would always address it together when we work with clients.
0: Yeah, t- when you mention that uh, in terms of like the relaxed versus the you know stressed sort of person, it makes me think of say Usain Bolt when he was at his best. You would look at the Americans on the start line. And they were so tense and so locked up. Obviously, they're still the you know some of the fastest guys in the world. But Usain Bolt, the way he sort of walks and carries himself out on the track, and he's so relaxed, and he'd finish you know ten meters in front of these guys, yeah. in, in you know they're those Americans that are super stressed, super tense, staring down the barrel of the camera. Um, but it is definitely what, what running uh, is one of the sports where you know, and a lot of the listeners who've done. Um, who either have coaches or have done races and stuff, they would have had people yell out, relax, stay relaxed. Because you you look at those the Africans, when they're running like these crazy fast times, you know, 10, 10Ks on the track in, you know, 26 minutes sort of thing, they are relaxed. They're staying relaxed because you can't, you f- you physically cannot perform when you are really, really stressed. And once I've even noticed this in my own training, especially when I was going through the, the back issue, um, it was definitely so much to do with stress in and and my physical body tensing up. And I would know that if I wasn't relaxed going into a session it would almost always end with me. I wouldn't, wasn't able to finish it. My back would just lock up so much. But it was when I was entering these sessions, with, I'd done the activations, I was f- far more relaxed. I wouldn't even be thinking about it. I wouldn't be thinking, oh, shit, is my back going to tense up? Because then I'm not relaxed. I just wouldn't notice. And it, it would be when I'm cooling down and I go, oh, geez, I'd have had a really good session. Hang on, I didn't feel my back. That's why it was such an interesting sort of injury. It wasn't the same as an acute Achilles, which is either going to be there or it's not going to be there. Whereas this was quite, um, yeah, quite to do with how, how relaxed I was.
1: Yeah, I, I often find when I work with clients in the rooms, I would, as I did with you, I would ask them, what do you feel? And, and often after we've done minimal with them, we've maybe just done some releases to help them with their diaphragm and get them breathing a bit more correctly and maybe doing some work in getting the hip muscles moving more correctly. And I would ask them, what do you feel? And they will tell me physically, you know, something feels a bit different with the way they're stepping, or the way they're carrying weight, or with their posture often changes. But something they would be say most often is that I feel a bit more relaxed. Mm. Things feel a little bit quieter, things be a little calmer in my head. So if we can get you to move correctly, there's an instant shift in, in what we feel. And we want you to get onto onto that running track feeling that you're running is effortless mm. and in order to get there as you explained we need to be in the right mental state we need to be in that state where we you know they refer to it as a flow state in yeah. sport or they refer to it as a, as the zone but it's really just where we where we're not thinking everything just happens naturally, naturally yeah. and the body is just doing its thing and, and and that's really what we're trying to achieve with this work is we're trying to Get you in a place where you're just moving the way your body's intended to move. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes easy. You guys are all talented. You have the talent to run well. We just need to get out of the way and take some of these restrictions out of the way and let your body do what it does the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting. And you're, you're right, I the way I felt um, leave, or the way I feel leaving your, you know, I w- walk out for pe- people that ha- don't know your, your clinic is in sort of a, a building, you walk down a hallway and I notice the difference in how I feel mentally when I'm walking up the hallway compared to when I'm walking back out, you know, after my treatment. And it's hard to pinpoint. I can't say, oh, this is doing this and this is doing that because it's not like that. It's just, yeah, you just feel,
1: I feel more relaxed, ready to, you know, and I think that's what it is. We we don't need to pinpoint it because there's a lot of factors involved. So when, you're, when your nervous system is in a heightened state, there's many physiological changes that happens in the body. So without getting into boring details, but there's, there's changes in the hormone levels. There's changes in the tension in our muscles. There's changes in our blood pressure. If we're in a, in a, in a stressed state, we feel less. So our sensation gets decreased. We feel less in our extremities. Mm. We feel less in our feet, for instance. We... Also, see less. So when you're in a, in a stress state, your pupils constrict. So when we're doing activations with you and we're getting you to move more correctly, getting you to breathe more correctly, what you're actually telling your nervous system is that you're in a safe environment. And then your nervous system starts slowing down, calming down, and all of these things start changing. So you move better. You breathe differently. There's more oxygen getting to your system, but suddenly your sensory system kicks in and you feel more. You hear more. You see more. And all of these things together is really what you're feeling when we do this work with you, is where you're feeling different. You're feeling more present. And for athletes, if we can get them moving better, we get them breathing more correctly, but we get them in a space where they can take better decisions on the road, they can take better decisions in what they do with their training, then suddenly we we can get to a next level of performance.
0: Mm, it's, yeah, it's all related. Talking about performance, obviously this is a running podcast. I'm a runner. You've you've mentioned that you work with a lot of runners. I know that you've worked with um, professional golfers as well. Um, tell us a little bit about who is suitable for these activations. Is it you know only specific sports, or can anyone get something out of this?
1: Look, there's something we like to say for people that could benefit from activations is anyone that needs to move more efficiently and anyone that needs to breathe more efficiently will benefit from what we do. But specifically to sport, I do work with a variety of of sportsmen from social level to elite level sportsmen. And as I said, started with a lot of runners, but I've worked with many, many different sports through my career, a lot of rugby in South Africa. Rugby union is a big sport and cricket in South Africa a lot of swimmers in South Africa. Here in Australia, I've been working a lot with individual athletes in road running. I'm working with some high-level sprinters at the moment. I'm working with a lot of pro golfers at the moment. The typical athlete that would benefit is is someone that is either looking to improve their performance, is looking to add that 10% to all the other good things they're already doing in their preparation for for their sport. People that have persistent injuries, Athletes like yourself that keeps being hurdled by getting hurt, and typically injuries would reoccur. There's a reason why you keep having the same injury, and if it keeps reoccurring, then we haven't found and addressed the cause to that problem efficiently enough. So those are good candidates. Um, Athletes that are looking to understand what their body is doing, which I think should be anyone, but wants to understand why it is their body gets overloaded in a certain way, and be able to take charge of it, I think... A big emphasis for me in working with with anyone is educating them to understand what it is their body is doing so that they can actually take charge of it. The idea is not for someone to have to see me every two weeks for the rest of their life. The idea is for them to understand what their body is doing, for me to teach you some tools that you can use so that you don't need to see me often anymore. In fact, I always say for the average person, if you never have to see me again, that's the first prize. That's what we're (laughs) aiming for. If we talk about elite sport, though, then then there's a, a different component to it where we there we look at performance and we want to try and keep an elite athlete or a serious social athlete at a level where they can perform and train more effectively more often than not in order to improve what they're doing. Mm. So there we would do some sort of maintenance work with those, with those sportsmen. But it's really of benefit to anyone who wants to be better at what they're doing. And I've worked with... Um, from Olympic level athletes to big strong powerlifters to big strong runners to to big strong <laughs> runners like yourself, Joel, and um, you know to to singers to yeah well. depending on the trade that you that you that you're in. When we get you to breathe and move more effectively, we get your nervous system into a space where you. Are clearer in your thinking, then it allows for us to perform better at whatever it is we do, you know. And if it's business, then it's in what you do in work. And if it's if it's preparing for the Olympics, then then it's applicable to that.
0: Mm. I, that's one thing when I I was given your details when I first started with you by my old triathlon coach Simon Knowles, and he was you know, raving about your work, and he said. Um, you know, you've got to go see him and I said, well I've already got a physio and I'm, I'm, I'm you know and he said it's different and this is it's not like you can keep seeing your physio because you know, the listeners would know I see Yoshi on a weekly basis who you know goes and treats my body and he does great work for me but as Simon said he says no this isn't not a thing where you know you don't need to shift your you know leave Yoshi and then go see Carol. For every week, it's like no. What he his practice is very different. So for the listeners, you know, if you're Melbourne based um, and you do see other people, it's like give this a shot. That's
1: what yeah, I, think. I, I think the thing to to be clear on it, this is something additional. It doesn't mean there isn't value in the fantastic work that all of your physios are doing on you, and the work that your that your gym trainers are doing with you, and your coaches are doing with you. What we do is is provide something additional that really enhances everything else we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe something to mention as I often work with teams and I often work with coaches in different sports and and often one of the problems is that you got a coach that is teaching you how to do something specific, let's say changing your your technique with your running. you know exactly you understand exactly what the coach is saying. he's explaining it very clearly. you know what you should be doing, but you can't get it right. Mm-hmm. and that's often there's there's a just a bit of a block in between the coach and the athlete so, That often happens because your body just doesn't have the physical ability to do it because you're using certain movement patterns that doesn't allow you to do it. So what we do is help unlock those patterns, giving you the ability to do what your coach is asking you to do more effectively. So if you're doing rehab with your physio, you're doing strengthening with your gym trainer, what we're doing is we're getting you to move a little bit more efficiently before you do that work to give even more value to what you're doing. So by all means, this is not... This work is not aimed to replace what everything else everyone else is doing. It's it's but I do think there's 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 something missing with what we're doing. And if we can get your brain to fire your muscles correctly first, before we train, before we rehab, before we exercise, then suddenly the results with all of those things are combined better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, Carol, we uh, pretty much um, come to the end. But one last thing I wanted to sort of finish on was, uh, and I hope you're okay to talk about this. We spoke, you know, a couple of weeks ago um, about and about your sort of struggle when you mentioned you're feeling really flat. Obviously, you know, moving to how long you've been in Australia for now?
1: We've been here for three years. Three years, right? you yeah.
0: moving your entire family. You've got uh, two two young daughters. Um, and a wife, and you know, moving that your whole family f- from South Africa to Australia, you know, must have been incredibly tough. And and you mentioned, you know, when we were, I was being treated, I was on, on the table, and we were just t- chatting. And I thought, well, this would be an interesting sort of way to to wrap up the podcast. How you, yeah, you mentioned you were just feeling really, really flat and frustrated, um, and you know, not being able to get yourself out of the sort of slump. Are you able to sort of share with the listeners, you know, uh, the how you did? Get out of the slump, you know, for the, for, the, for the listeners that may be going through something similar. I just think it's a good way to sort of tie in, you know, as we've spoken about the physical body and the mind. And it's yeah. like, well, now these like sort of parting parting words.
1: Yeah, I guess, Joel, I was, I had a tough year last year in many ways. Um, there was some, I've been obviously rebuilding my career here in Australia and arrived in Australia. And for two years, COVID has obviously made it really difficult yeah. to get anything going, like for everyone else, but definitely being new, not knowing a single person in Melbourne when we arrived here Um, and I guess I just got to a point where I felt things just weren't progressing as quick as I would have liked. Um, I felt, particularly with the teaching side of things, so I do training courses for healthcare professionals and COVID has really made it hard to get in-person courses going again Mm. and I was feeling a bit frustrated with not getting things going as fast as I would have liked. and then I had some personal things in my life. I lost my dad midway through last year, which obviously had a big impact. And I just found myself just feeling a bit off, just not feeling a term that I like using is as present as i as I like to be, as clear in my thinking as I'd like to be. And when I'm like that, then I'm not as good as a therapist as I can be. you know. And the same with, with the athlete. When we're in that sort of a space, we, we can be good, but we're just not as good as we can be
0: same in and, any profession in anything
1: yeah. and for me it comes out with that, that I I don't get as great results with my clients as I normally get because with this work we see some fascinating stuff and often it's it's life-changing stuff and if I'm not in a great space then I then I, I get reasonable results so and my clients typically don't know because I'm still pretty good at what I do even <laughs> when I'm not at my best yeah. but but I know I'm not quite as good as as it can be and Normally, I'm the type of person that can get myself out of it pretty quickly, and I just found I just got stuck, and I just, and the more I got stuck, the more frustrated I got with myself for being stuck mm-hmm. and for not getting myself out of it. And Badly I think that bad. often relates to sport as well. For you know, you know what you need to do, but you just can't, you yeah. can't get it done. And the more angry I got at myself, the worse it actually got. And the more I just, I, I just got to a point where I got was so frustrated, and I spoke to a mate of mine who's a. Who's a performance coach and a, and a top-level business coach, and he actually just reminded me of something that I often teach on my courses, and it's so funny—the things that we that we teach, we sometimes you know can forget to apply <laughs> to ourselves. And um, his advice was to sometimes we just need to accept where we're at, and for me it was just accepting that this is where I'm at. I've done what I could have done in the three years I've been here. This is where we're at now, and. I'm stuck and I don't quite know how to get out of this feeling, but that's where I'm at. So let's just sit with it for a bit and, and see where we go. And the, and the interesting thing is as soon as I did that, then suddenly the next day I felt, hmm, I feel a bit better mm. and I had a great day at the office. And I, and sometimes it's just acknowledging that you've put in a hard season's work. Mm. You didn't quite get the results you were looking for, but you've still done what you could have done. You know, I think that's important is we do the best with what we have at the time, with the information we have, with the energy we have at the time. And if we've done the best that we could with what we have at the time, it's just to say that maybe that's enough. Mm. And maybe I didn't get to where I wanted to get, but I still I did what I what I could do. And if one can just sort of make peace with that and just sit with where you're at, it's, it's an important point of actually moving forward. We need to know where we are in order to be able to move forward from that. When we... Stuck in an angry state, stuck in a frustrated state. That's when we when we can't move forward. When we can just acknowledge where we're at, often that's the first step. And I found that's something I do I do sort of try and teach the sportsmen that I work with as well as sometimes we just have to accept this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. We're injured now, you know.
0: Yeah. This is what Don't it is. It. Yeah. Don't fight
1: it. Yeah. Don't fight it so much. Yeah. And and just just sit with it. And and it doesn't mean you have to feel good about it. Just acknowledge it. It feels it feels crap. But that's okay. That's where I'm at. And that's from where we start moving forward, you know, is when, we, mm. is when we're able to acknowledge and, and feel where we're at. I think that's really important um, in yeah. a lot of things, in sport, in life, work,
0: probably well, it
1: relates to anything.
0: Carol, that's, uh, yeah, really well said. I think the listeners are going to get so much out of this. You know we've covered pretty much every base. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, and as yeah, I mentioned earlier, I will put I will put uh, links in the show notes for people to find out more because it's it's, it's an incredibly interesting practice and um, yeah, it's definitely changed my athletic performance f-
1: for the good. So thank you so much. Fantastic. It's been it's been fun being here. Thank you for having me. Cheers. See you nice. later.